Oh, Zach. Hey. Lots changed. A lot has changed. We're out. You're out of quarantine, man. <laughs> we are in person again. You look older. Thank you. And by that, I mean about a year older. Thank you. Because, Zach, we missed something while you were, uh, while you were in quarantine. We did. I, I spent it isolated. Your yeah. birthday. It was, yeah, I was in quarantine on my birthday. It was last week. <sighs> so, for those of you the listeners, go back to our Bob Goff episode. Yeah. And find Zach's phone number and <laughs> no, no, make sure no, no. to let him know, hey, happy birthday, man. It's on there. Yeah, my birthday was actually on the same day that everyone listening quit their New Year's That's resolutions. Right, January 12th. January 12th. actually National Quitters Day. <laughs> so, and so yeah. everyone except your mom quit. <laughs> That's right. On January 12th. She didn't quit, she didn't quit pushing. That's what, I mean, and I'm here. Just a faithful woman. And I, Don li- I live to tell the tale. She has everything right except for the way she orients her paper, her uh, toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, Coop, thank you for. You're you're welcome. Happy birthday. Man. Thank you. I from, appreciate From all of us, all of us, the listeners. <laughs> you me, and you and Monica, you mean. And Monica. I mean, yeah. she, did she give you the card? The card. And I didn't the, get a chance the, to sign it, but she, I mean, she wrote so much that I like didn't have any room. <laughs> I know. She, that she's she's the best. She filled it up. Little make, make me a little cake. It was I really, really Thanks, kind. Monica. But no, I, I really appreciate it. Speaking of National Quitters Day, Coop. Yeah. There's something I had to do today that I really wanted to quit. Well, I mean, that's... You were born a quitter, so that makes, <laughs> it makes sense. I was. I was born on a quitter's day, That's but right. I ain't no quitter. I ain't That's no right. quitter. That's right. You kept living. That's right. So as you know, I had COVID the past two weeks. I did my Wait. quarantine time. <clears throat> you had – I'm just kidding. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it. <laughs> so I, I did my time in quarantine, yeah. and then before I had to – or before I go back to work, I had to get a negative COVID test. Makes sense. Yeah. And so uh, we go this afternoon. Uh, you yeah. happened to be with me, so you just accompanied me on this journey. Which, we already knew he was safe. His quarantine yeah. was over. We knew he was negative. He oh, needed, true. Yeah. I, I, didn't do, just, yeah. I didn't just recklessly come <laughs> just on. Just risk it. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Anyway, we, it's – let's see. I had to sign up for a test time. Yeah, time slot. Which because is like, hey, COVID, yes. a lot of people want to get of tested. Course, Let's make that. it efficient. So I sign up yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. This would have been Saturday morning at yep. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. I sign up. My time slot That's, is. It, today it's Sunday. It's Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday at 422. Yeah. Okay. I walk in the front door at 423. Yep. I know. A minute late. So it's like they made you a did joke. Your best. Yeah, I was there. They made a joke, really? They did. They're like, "You're one minute late. We can't take you." And I was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And they're like, "Ah, we're just kidding." Wow, that's <laughs> an interesting way to start it. No yeah, how it ends. I know. So, <laughs> yeah, they almost denied me, but yeah, they didn't. Yeah, yeah. I fill out the paperwork. I sit there. I sit in the lobby for probably eh, fifteen. 20 minutes okay. and then they go back, they run a few tests and then I sit in the room by myself pre-test, pre-COVID test about five, six minutes. Mm-hmm. I wait for my test, no joke, 30 minutes. Wait, so you get tested? Yeah. Like it's shoved, your nostrils bleeding, you know, you just, <laughs> your brain's been My tickled. brain is tickled, yeah. yeah. And then you're waiting for 30 minutes? About 30. And so we left there at, was it 535? About an hour, yeah, about over an hour. So Over uh, an hour. Yeah. So- that's that's a long time. Just for those of you wondering, what in the world was Cooper doing? That's right. Yeah, so you can tell your side yeah. of the story. So I'm like, I'm here, support my boy Zach. We're going to record the intro after. <laughs> it just makes sense for me to go with him. Right. And I have to go to the bathroom. So there's a Starbucks nearby. Run to the Starbucks in the bathroom. It had one of those things where it was a code lock. I was like, oh, no. Oh, that's tough. Asked the girl. She was cool. She was like, yeah, it's, here's the code. Went in, went to the bathroom. I mean, 100% aim. Left the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, ah, it's probably like a couple minutes left. Like, I imagine this whole thing taking 20 minutes. Yeah. It says 15 minute yeah. rapid test. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, so then I just walk back up to the urgent care. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not going to go in there with the sick people. Right. So I just sit on the curb yeah. outside. Because I had locked the door to the car. <laughs> yeah. I'm very yeah. sorry. That's uh, fine. I mean, we thought it would be a short time. And yeah. just time continues to go by. Right. Days go by, as the song says. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's cold concrete. Yeah. My bumper, as they call it at Canicut Camps, yeah. is getting pretty cold. Um, not my favorite experience. I decided to go back to the Starbucks actually after a while and yeah. sat outside there. But you also left your Rubik's cube in the car. No, I just I, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, I'm a cuber. He's a cuber. I'm just kidding. I, just, I mean, I can solve a Rubik's cube. Um, slight subtle flex. Consistently sub one minute and thirty seconds. Right. But I didn't have it with me, so I didn't have my phone, which is like a supercomputer. So. At the end of the day, we were there a long time, an outrageously long time. Yeah. I'll and be. you had to sit. You were cold. I'm very sorry. Please yeah. forgive me. You're forgiven. You're, Thank you. We're whole. Thank you. We are whole. But we have a proposition. <clears throat> and I would say that word, proposition. We have one of those to yeah. speed up the process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a proposition to speed up the process yeah, of COVID yeah. testing. Cooper, you've been to Chick-fil-A, right? Oh, Zach, I know it well. The, I mean, the pre-blessed, the manna from heaven. Just eat more chicken. They can do everything at spell. That's right. <laughs> I think that they could do COVID testing so much faster, even if they, it was only on Sundays, if the government paid Chick-fil-A to allow them to use their drive-through mm. to get tests. Because I, mean, I think a monopoly on, if they do. Yeah. Rain like or shine, dude. Going. They have they have those like coverings that they just stick over and they look like little minions running yeah, around. Little, but yeah. I think that they literally could test you in line and you could have your insurance paid and your results by the second window with some waffle fries. <laughs> I absolutely believe it. I, <laughs> and you're out of there. I mean, I've been like you go to two restaurants that are next to each other. This is an in and out and yeah, Chick-fil-A yeah. by my work. Yeah. And so sometimes as I'm I'm going I have to like go drive on the service road. Past Wait, hold on. It. Where, do, where do you work again? Uh, you know, I'm one of your favorite Lululemon employees. That's right. That's Lululemon right. North Park Mall. Come visit me. That's right. That's right. Usually Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. It's me, Cooper <laughs> Anyway, anyways, as I like, I have to drive like down on the highway on the service road. U turn and then kind of go, and I pass the Chick Fil A and the In and Out. And as I'm driving, I look across and see kind of gauge where the lines are for mm. the the drive through, and if the in and out line could be a third as long as the Chick-fil-A line, the Chick-fil-A line, and I'm getting out of the Chick-fil-A line faster. Yeah, like it's totally unmatched. I mean, in and out's line is typically really slow, yeah. but, yeah. but Chick-fil-A I mean, is really fast. It. Panda Express. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Whataburger. Ridiculous. Our beloved Whataburger, yeah, it's slower It'll than Chick-fil-A. Every time the drive. <laughs> yeah. Don't go to the drive. Chicken Express has a slow, and that just hurts my heart. I, that, so. that was bittersweet that to hear come out of your mouth. <laughs> but I think, I just, my proposition, you get tested in line, your insurance at the first window. It's like a complimentary COVID test with your order. Yeah, yeah, with your order. And you just get tested. You also don't have to leave your car. Right. That that happens at some place. I had to go in and sit in the, like, someone, you everyone's walking. And I'm like, I walk in and they're like, how can we help you? I'm like, I'm here to get a COVID test. Everyone just Everyone looks at me. Life. Yeah. They're yeah. like, you, he has you leprosy. even peasant. I know. I'm like, well, I'm sorry, guys. I have to do this. Okay. And this is my only option. Chick-fil-A like, is not we offering. We don't actually care what you have to say. Yeah. So- Dan, Kathy, whoever is listening to this from yeah. Chick-fil-A, just say, All hey. we want is a small cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When this happens, we just want a little piece of and the maybe action. maybe you don't do it on Sundays to so just keep with the brand. We respect it. Maybe yeah, yeah. Totally, maybe totally. A little, a little Tuesday evening COVID test, <laughs> yeah. you know? Shut down a little early. Yeah, just close your down. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll work out one day. Yeah. 
Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg, the COVID-free Zach Funderburg. Here with my co-host, Cooper McCullough. Coops, thanks for... I'm one of the few people that's never gotten COVID. That is true. I'm proud of that. And now that I've said it on the air, who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Knock on wood. That's right. I'm, not, I'm going to intentionally not knock on wood to prove I don't believe it's real. Hey, <laughs> That's right. I'm going to stand here defiant. I, I mean, you have the immune system of just an actual man. I mean, yeah. Like, I'm. It's a. There's just a different cloth out there, and that's what I'm cut from. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Well, speaking of different cloth, we have a different si- t- type of episode today, Cooper. Uh oh. And you're the you're the. You're the interviewee. I am. So we we flipped the script today. You're right. You're right. We had a, a lady. She's on our podcast before. Her name is April Sprints. Her uh, episode title is "Don't Be a Boss, Be a Leader," mm. and it was a great episode. Yeah. Great conversation. I'm she sure reached every one of our listeners. Listen, they to probably it. have all everyone listening through, to this. Like 100% yeah, of the all of it. Not just the intro. No way. Yeah. Anyway, so she reaches out to me. I think it was Christmas Day. She yeah. says, "Hey Zach, I'm starting my own podcast." She probably was like, "Merry Christmas." Yes, Merry Christmas. Did she actually say I don't remember. Okay. I have to look back at right. my email. I'm starting my own podcast. It's called Pouring Into Your Business with April Sprint, and I think you would be a great person to be on the podcast. And I responded with, April, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I'm qualified, but I'll do it. Wow. So, And she said, no, you're totally qualified. And I was like, I still don't believe you, but I'll do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we are. So she started was, her own. Yeah, just so you guys know, like my inbox was full. So that's why, that email, <laughs> that's why I didn't get the email. <laughs> yes. uh, or maybe like maybe Monica just like knew I was busy that day. I think, yeah, something, she can she controls your schedule. Like that. <laughs> we'll have to get <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Monica. Aww. Yeah. Anyway, April, she's the founder of the the generosity culture and she's she's big on helping and coaching leaders yep. and and just being a part of that. And that's what this business is about. So she does two episodes a week. One interview. Wow, two a week? Yeah. That's a lot. I know. We do one a week and I know. sometimes scrape by. <laughs> like this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so she does an interview with a leader, but also mindset episodes, talking about how to get mental models and and, and mindsets and leadership and helping leaders think through uh, mindsets in that way. And so I'm not talking about mindsets. I'm talking about connecting with Gen Z. She wanted to have a younger person on and what it's like to- And you are, as they say, with the times. That's what some would say. And so we talk about generational differences and really getting out of your comfort zone, whether it's with a generational difference, whether it's a racial difference, anything about that. Uh, And I use a quote in there from a Navy SEAL, Marcus Luttrell, one of my favorites, if you ain't living on the edge- you're taking up too much space. I mean, come on. That's a good one. <laughs> you probably sounded so good. I'm excited to hear you say that. Well, let's let's just let them talk. Let's just let, let's let the man talk. It's probably not your favorite episode, just knowing the that's way you right. are. But yeah. I, I bet it'll be my favorite episode. Monica told me it was her favorite episode, so that's all <laughs> Monica, I needed. you sweet woman. <laughs> that's all I needed. we got to get her on at some point. We will. We, we will. She's her. shaking her head right I now. Know. Look at her. <laughs> this classic Monica. Anyway, without further ado, here's my conversation, I guess, with April Sprints. Hey there, welcome to Pouring Into Your Business. I have an excellent guest today, a gentleman by the name of Zach Funderburk. Is that not the best last name you've ever heard? <laughs> and he is the founder and host of the Next Generation Leader Podcast. And just so you know, it is number one in the Philippines in business and management. It is a big deal. He is no, also a graduate student in Dallas, Texas. And he says he's in a season of learning and preparing for future leadership <laughs> endeavors. But as someone 
who supports and selects and helps leaders in my day job, I'm going to tell you, he's already a great leader and he's only going to continue to grow into an even better one. So Zach, thank you so much for joining me today. April, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on with you. And we can unpack that statement more uh, as we go on here. But I love it. I love what you're doing. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Now, see, you can tell that Zach is a podcast host because he says we can unpack that statement. So go for it, brother. Tell me, how do you want to unpack that statement? Oh, of course. Well, so I I do. I'm under the impression I know and I think a lot of people would agree with this is that no matter what season you're in or how many followers you would say that you have, you are a leader. And in whatever you're doing, whatever sphere of influence that you currently obtain, you are a leader. And so I don't want that statement to misrepresent that and, and my true belief behind that is that you can lead no matter what you're doing or where you are. But one of the quotes that really spurred me and my co-host Cooper on to create this podcast was by a man named Sir Winston Churchill, was, who was, as many people know, the prime minister of Great Britain all, all through uh, World War II and is really a heroic uh, hero of history, of, of perseverance and not stopping and amazing quotes, amazing speeches by him. But a particular quote of his that has resonated with me over my, my young years, I guess you'd say, uh, where I am right <laughs> now. I don't, know, I don't know what to call that, but he says, to every man comes a time in their life when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do something great. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. So I don't think I've been figuratively tapped on the shoulder to do my great thing yet. Who, who knows? I could have, and it could have been this podcast and it could grow, but in this season I'm in, it is my duty is my job to soak in and, and listen and hear and, and learn as much as I can and be prepared for that day when I am figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do something great, because what a tragedy if that moment found me unprepared or unqualified for that, which could have been my finest hour. And, and so that kind of spurs me on to that statement that I am in a season of preparation. I'm in a season of growing and learning and and looking forward to that moment. But that doesn't mean that I can't lead now where I am. And so I I don't want that to be confused in any way. You are a leader where you're at, but no matter what, you're in a constant season of growing. You're a a lifelong learner, as they would say in the higher education field uh, of leadership, of of all of these concepts that we will, I guess, talk about. Um, But you're a leader now, but you're also preparing for something great. I just didn't want that to be missed. I am literally speechless over here. So as you're listening, you totally understand why I have Zach on this podcast that I I normally bring entrepreneurs, CEOs and leaders and you understand, right? Zach keeps talking about how young he is, but I know you just heard what I heard when he invited me to be on his podcast right when COVID started. Zach, you are going to do really amazing things. And I'm just excited that I'm going to get to say, oh, I knew Zach when he was still saying he was young. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for your so you're so kind for your words. Yeah, when you reached out to me about doing this, I was like, well, I don't I don't know what I'm going to bring. And I went back to listen to a few, and these people have scaled these incredible companies and done all these amazing things. I'm like, well, I mean, if she trusts me enough to have me on, I'll do it, and I'm just happy to be here, April. I love it. So there are several things that I want to talk about just because I find you so fun to talk to and and so interesting. But to answer your unasked question, as far as what do I really think you can bring? Well, those folks that you've listened to that have been on the podcast already and other leaders and other organizations that you might go work with or for, 
they're always asking how they can lead better, how they can, with your generation, really pour into people and do things. And I really feel like you're one of those bilingual people, Zach, in the sense that you could, in theory, go and work for those people, but you also seem to understand the view of business and life from their vantage point. So I think you're uniquely qualified to tell those folks, those CEOs, those leaders, those entrepreneurs, what's the best way to be a value to the people in your generation that might be working in their company? Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, and thank you for your words again. I feel like I've just been asked to come on so you can encourage me. This is, and that's why I had you on is that you're, you're so encouraging. You're so uplifting, but I do hope to be that uh, for people who have questions about my generation, because there are so many generational gaps and differences between people of just the generation before me. I would be, I guess, classified as Gen Z, which would, I guess, be the next generation and the podcast that we host. And we start the, the next generation leader podcast. There's a lot of people with that concept of the next generation uh, of leaders. and But what I want people to know about what we do is that it's not young people telling others how to lead or what they're doing. And because I can't share from my platform and wealth of experience and knowledge because it's something I don't have, but it's something I desire. So our leader, our, our podcast takes that and flips it around and says, who can we seek out like April Sprints to have on our podcast to ask them great, great questions and to learn from them. And in turn, if they're able to learn something from us as well, because more than likely they're leading people who are our age, then it's a win-win situation in that way. You grow, we grow, and everyone's happy and everyone is able to become better leaders in the future. Oh, absolutely. And I would say that you are already leaders. And I think one of the things that I think we touched on this when I was on your podcast, traditional leaders, I think, fall short in is we talk too much. We don't listen enough and we don't ask the youngest person in the room to speak first. And I think we should because that's where new ideas are going to come from. That's where people are going to learn things that they aren't already thinking about and a different perspective and a different way of looking at things. And instead of being, oh, this person is in this generation, what do they know? It should be, oh, this person is in this generation. What do they know? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's where it comes into into play where a lot of leaders need to be and where a lot of leaders are lacking is self-awareness and knowing your leadership voice. There's a there's a leadership test or I guess self-assessment test called the five voices. There's a book that goes with it. And you're you're one of these voices. You're either a connector, a pioneer, a nurturer, a guardian, or a creative. And all of these voices are they're all leaders. You're all one, you're a mixture of them all, but some of them are louder than others, and some of them are quieter than others. And so most most of the leaders typically, as statistics would show, that are leading the meetings are the ones that are the more, the louder voices. And so as a leader with a, a louder leadership voice, it's your job to be able to reach out to the people who have the quieter leadership voice and to be able to bring them up and say, you speak first because you matter. You, I value your opinion and I want to hear from you first. And that's the, and that's the same thing for, for young people and old people. It's like we have a young staff member who is full of creative energy and, and ideas and fun and, and creativity, but if they're stifled by busy work and the, the feeling that you're not there yet, then their ideas aren't able to come to fruition and you, you miss out on the value of the young and the energy and the value that that person could bring to the table. So, so many leaders got to figure out how can I reach out to that person who's not as loud naturally in a meeting and get their eyes to the table first. 
Absolutely. Okay. There are two things I have to touch on here. I love that you were saying that about the young person. And I would add to that older people as well. And when I say older, I mean the folks, it, it, I don't know what age it is, but there's a certain age that people get to in their careers where they start to think that they are not relevant anymore, that they don't matter and people don't want to hear from them. Yeah. And the thing is, is they do have a wealth of experience. And a lot of times if they haven't gotten to a leadership position in an organization, they have a wealth of experience in a certain area of a company, in a certain role that gives them a perspective that nobody else in the room has. So to your point, allowing those people to speak too is really a just a, a wonderful way to get those unique perspectives. And to that second point, I, I have to check out this book that you mentioned because I feel like my tendency would be to be a loud leader, to be very decisive, to go through things. Yet I always consider myself someone who has strong ideas loosely held because I've taught myself to be quiet because the people who speak the least, the things that they say when they do speak are usually so much more brilliant than half the things that come out of my mouth. I want to hear them. I want them yeah. to speak up. I understand. Well, Cooper, my co-host always says, and he's, he's one of these guys that is so creative and has so many ideas. He's like, well, Zach, you got to get the bad ones out first. If I don't get any ideas, no one's going to start the training. No one's going to get any of these ideas out. But I totally agree with you, April. And I, I mean, there's a verse in the Bible, in Proverbs, I believe it's 16, where it says gray hair is the crown of splendor. And, and the the what age brings to the table is so is so overlooked sometimes. And I get the opportunity to work for a really great man named Dr. Gary Cook here at Dallas Baptist University. And he was the president here for almost 30 years. And he stepped aside and gave the, the presidency to a younger man who's doing incredible things, but he didn't just leave the university. He didn't hand off his torch and leave. He stayed on and they created a position for him. And now he's the chancellor and he's just raising money for student scholarships. But there's so much value that I've seen in their relationship. We had this young, uh, I believe he's 40 years old now and he's running the university as a chief executive and he's new to this role, but he also has the gray hair of splendor as the former president who's still here on campus, being able to give him wisdom, to be able to give him insight and say, hey, this is what we had to deal with back here. And I think it could apply then. But so I just think that generations get misunderstood. And when someone in the older generation doesn't understand someone in the younger generation and vice versa, that's when heads can start to clash and you can start to misunderstand ideas and, and intentions. Because I think a lot of times, Younger people come in with these ideas of change and new and different and bold and crazy, but their intention isn't just to step on the toes of a generation that's created something. It's to how can we do this better and bring new ideas, but in, in a place where new ideas are valued, no matter how bold, but you can also be able to speak into them and say, hey, that's, a, that's not really on brand with what we're doing. You can be honest with each other. And like I said at the beginning, you, you can get the bad ideas out first because they've got to come out at some point. <laughs> That's a good point. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because we're talking about really valuing the difference in people across generations. And there have been very few times in my lifetime when valuing the differences in people has been such a conversation and a, a conversation that I don't always get into candidly, Zach, yeah. because there is so much anger around it and there's so much fear and so much opinion that doesn't drive things forward, if that makes sense. Yeah. Meaning, and I, I'm not speaking against any specific person or any specific conversation, it's it's always been interesting to me because at a very young age, I went into the service and having been in the military, 
every different worldview, every different culture and race and gender and all these different things added a layer of value to what we were doing. So to me, it just makes sense to want different opinions, to want everyone from a different walk of life to be contributing because it makes what we create better. And I just want to get your thoughts on that, especially because in in this day and age, that's something that we are recognizing we haven't as an entire society done well, and we're committing to doing it better. I just love the the thoughts that you have on it. Yeah, of course. And I think it comes down to where your comfortability lies and where you're comfortable. Because I think what we see today in our culture is that we have a lot of people who see differences in other people, but they're not comfortable engaging with that cultural difference. And like you said, you're in the military. And if you're next to somebody, whether on the battlefield or whether you're in a training exercise, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you have the shared experience that, uh, that that can bond you together, you're not thinking about necessarily the cultural difference or what makes you different. It's the fact that you are together in this situation that is hard and that you can reach across and say, hey, we are in this together and we can, we can express, we can understand, we can see each other's differences. But at the end of the day, we have a common goal. And I think what brings people together a lot of times is either one, a common goal or a common enemy. With this pandemic, we had a common enemy, but I think we missed out on a chance to come together and reach across whatever political, racial, whatever aisle, grab hands and say, we can come and do this together. But because I think it makes a lot of people uncomfortable because that which is unknown or unnew or known to someone is uncomfortable. But I would encourage people to be uncomfortable and to get uncomfortable because the difference of ideas, the difference of culture and in a, in a place where in a workplace specifically, if we're pouring into your business, where that is something that is celebrated and that your culture brings something to the table that your culture doesn't bring. But at the same time, your culture brings something that your culture doesn't bring. And we have this difference of ideas and difference of places and backgrounds that we can understand each other. Imagine how many ideas and where those places can go. And, and I just, I want to, I mean, I would just encourage people to be uncomfortable and to reach out and to learn about someone's culture and to learn about someone's even just past. If we're talking, going back to the generational differences, I find so much, it's so fun to talk to old people and to hear about their experiences, whether they fought in a, in a war, in the Korean war, the Iraqi war, even, or, or how they grew up, how it's different from it is today, but there, you gain so much wisdom from asking questions and from learning and from curiosity. If you're curious, you'll grow, but if you're not, I mean, I don't know how you expect to grow. Absolutely. Well, and I think that although change, whether it's good change or bad change, can be scary for Mm -hmm. for all of us, I think that the only reason you really fear change is if you're not open to those different experiences. And if you find a way to become more open to new experiences and new people and new ways of looking at things, then change doesn't have to be as scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think a lot of people are, are afraid of failure too at the same time, that this new change, it's unprecedented. It's it's new for, say, our company, but I'm afraid it's going to fail. But whenever you look at it and say, no, it's an opportunity. And if it does fail, that's just another opportunity to know and to learn uh, how to grow. And I think it's a, uh, this is a funny quote, I guess, National Treasure uh, said it whenever he's talking about Thomas Edison finding, it took him over like a thousand tries to build or create the light bulb. Mm-hmm. And they said, and he, they talked about him failing a thousand times and he looked back and he said, no, I just found a hundred or I just found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. And just right. seeing the, those things that are hard or where you fail change. Sometimes you fail when you make a new change. 
but then you can adjust, you can pivot and you can go from there. But I don't, I think people should not be afraid of failure because that's where you stifle your growth. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's funny, I talk to leaders about this all the time when I'm working with them and they say, what is the number one thing that I can do to drive innovation in my company? And my answer without a pause is start sharing the things you've failed at with your employees Mm. now. The things you failed at in life, the things you failed at in this business, the things that you failed at, failed at in this day, share it now, because if it's not okay to fail, then you can't innovate because there is no innovation that was perfect the first time. There just isn't. And if there's not a culture where that's okay, you'll become stagnant and you'll die. Mm -hmm. And failing, at least in my life, Zach, I've done a lot of it, a lot of it. and. I've learned the most from it. And my greatest triumphs were always on the back of my greatest failures. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. And I think we can celebrate that. And I think a lot of people, again, are afraid to fail because they're afraid of the repercussions of failure. But in reality, it's like, no, we're going to celebrate the fact that you took a leap of faith and you stepped out on innovation rather than just focusing on the failure and being able to turn it and say, hey, we're not going to look at this as a failure. We're going to look at it as an opportunity. And it's an opportunity to move forward. I think people always need to be moving forward. And failing is part of that. I mean, the greatest companies ever were massive failures until they learned their niche or they learned what they were they were driving for and it made them successful off the backs of their off the backs of their failure like you just talked about absolutely well and i'm going to just drop a truth bomb on some folks right now and it. it may not be popular but i'm going to do it so those folks that think that they're saving themselves from failing by not risking anything by not putting themselves out there you're not you're failing to live so the only way not to fail is to fail to live. Marcus Luttrell, he was a Navy SEAL, once said, if you're he, or I was at something he was speaking at, and he said, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> That's great. That, <laughs> that sounds like a SEAL. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it said a lot. But if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up way too much space, in my opinion. Okay, so talking about living on the edge and taking chances and and doing things that people might be afraid of, I want to bring up a story that you and I share, actually, because you shared with me when I first met you that you really wanted to interview Bob Goff for your podcast. Do you remember this story? You tell us? I do. Well, I think I don't remember. I think you mentioned it to me as someone I should get. Oh, was was it? Okay. at the end, you're like, do you know who Bob Goff is? And I was like, yes, of course. Who doesn't know who Bob Goff is? And you're like, you should reach out to him and have him on the podcast. But yeah, and then that inspired to whatever you're about to tell as well. Oh, no, I was going to let you tell the story. So it's funny that I remember it wrong. That does not surprise me in the least. I told you I fail every day, but I failed to remember how that actually happened. So I was actually only introduced to Bob Goff as weird as this sounds in 2019. And the funny thing is I loved quotes of his, but I would see them when they weren't attributed to him or attributed rather to him. And so I didn't even know there were his quotes. And then I was... I think Love Does was the first book of his that that I read. And I was like, wow, this guy's awesome. And then I think I told you, I have a good friend, Sarah Noose, who Bob got her to write her book. So just right. kept being introduced to him and was just thinking about it because you remind me of him. That is what got me to say, hey, you need to interview him. <laughs> but so many folks would say, oh, I can't just reach out and, and interview a famous person. And I would say, why not? They say yes to someone. Why not you? 
Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, off the back of you saying that and encouraging us to do that, to go for it and say, why not reach out? We did reach out uh, through email, actually. And we got to know because obviously he's a busy guy and he's got a lot on his plate and he does a lot of interviews. Um, but um, we didn't necessarily get to know. He said, not now, like we'll circle back around. But one night, Cooper and I, my co-host, we were recording some intros for our podcast and we're sitting there. And I think I like looked, it was either an idea we'd had, or I looked over and I saw, I have the book. I actually have all of his books actually, but I saw everybody always. And it's got all these like balloons on the front cover. And it's a really like, it sticks out on my bookshelf. And I was like, Cooper, you know what we should do? It's like, why don't we just cold call Bob Goff? Because he keeps his phone number in his book. And it's like, I mean, if you're going to do that, you got to expect phone calls at 730 on a Friday night. And and that's what time it was. And so we're like, dude, let's do it. And so we kind of talk about it for a second. And we're like, all right, we're recording. Let's just do it. And so we we call him and like, hey, Bob. And he answered. I was like, what in the world? (laughs) I like you tell, you can tell we should have edited it better, honestly, but you can tell I was just thrown off and was like, Hey, Bob, like, I'm so glad you answered. We're like, we're going to ask, can we ask you one question? And he was like, yeah, of, of course, that'd be great. And, and we asked him, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self, which is our like classic question, which we always ask all of our leaders, but it was so funny. He answered. And I mean, it was like a four minute conversation, but that was it. We just reached out and we did it. And we got to talk to Bob Goff. Thanks to you, April. That it's so cool though. I love the, and, and you're more, more than welcome, but you did something with it, right? Someone just giving you advice is one thing, but making it work and incorporating it in your own way is what you and Cooper did so well. And what I love though, is just that feeling of why not me? And I tell people all the time, there are exceptions and there are rules and there are exceptions. Just think of yourself as the exception. Approach everything that way. And in my personal experience, about 90% of the time that works. Yeah. Even if he just leaves his phone on, his phone number on his book, just call him. Just <laughs> right? off the edge. So what I did you guys it. do with the interview what, or that recording? What did you do with it? We uh, just made it an episode. It's only like a 12, uh, maybe nine minute episode where we talked about it before, talked about what we were doing, what, and, and really why not. And then at the end, we talked about being available for people. So we ended up putting our phone numbers at the, at the end. Cooper was just joking around. He's like, and actually here's Zach's phone number. And he listed it out and we've had people call us and we've gotten to talk to people about it. Thanks to Bob and his inspiration on that. Because I mean, truly who thinks of putting their number out into the public, just saying, Hey, call me. If I don't answer, I'm probably busy. But if I do answer, I'd love to help you with whatever you're going through. And so we've had people call us and it's been really fun and really cool to get to meet people who listen to the podcast. And uh, I mean, we put it out there. It's just, it's called the Bob Goff cold call. (laughs) Oh, I have to, I have to go back and find that because I love everything about it. I love that you did it. I love the way you looked at it. I love that he answered. And I think we should all strive to be that person, right? To reach whatever pinnacle of personal or business success we're looking for, because it's different for each and every one of us, but then still be willing to pick up the phone and do something that changes someone's day or week or life. Right. I mean, yeah, being just doing something about it, doing more, getting off the edge and in action. I think we have to bend toward action. I think a lot of people are, again, we, I keep coming back to this being scared of failure and being scared of being um, pushed away or uh, scared of rejection even. Um, But when you you never know until you put yourself out there. And I love what you said. I think it's even President Kennedy once said it was, if not us, who, if not now, when, if if you're not going to do it, who's going to? And I just love living life. 
in that mindset. Absolutely. And I think it can be just a huge benefit to anyone to start thinking that, of course, it could be me. Because I think sometimes we walk around with a mindset of it'll never be me. And we are waiting for someone to pick us or choose us. And if you say, why not me? You're choosing yourself. I totally agree. And, and you make something happen. Like even with this podcast and, and doing it, um, we were just two college seniors trying to, and, and you get a lot of ridicule kind of for, oh, it's the guys at the podcast. And I know they're just playful and joking, but we've learned a ton from doing it. And we've gotten to meet some really cool people and have some really amazing opportunities to learn and grow from some pretty remarkable humans. And, and if we wouldn't have been willing to do that and put ourselves out there like we have, we wouldn't have been able to get there and, and to meet people like you, April. And I think you miss out whenever you don't put yourself out there, when you don't do more, when you stay on, not on the edge, you stay more in a safe zone. You're not able to learn. You're not able to grow and you never know how far you can go. I don't know how far this podcast will go. I don't know how long we'll do it, but if we never would have done it, we wouldn't have been able to get here. And if we don't do it tomorrow, we won't be able to get there. And so why stop now and why hinder yourself from potential growth? And if you fall on your face, you fall on your face and then you get back up, you brush yourself off and you keep going, always moving forward. Absolutely. Well, and when you say we got ridicule from that, if I were to just guess, not even knowing where that came from, uh, the only people who ridiculed you were people who you wouldn't want to trade lives with. You're right. Have you ever right. noticed that when people yeah. talk about, oh, it's so hard to deal with haters and it's so hard to deal with people who are big naysayers or who poke fun at what you're doing or say that it's not worth it. And the best piece of advice someone ever gave me was, I just want you to look at that person and not from a judgmental place, just from a thoughtful place. Do I want to be them? Mm. No. Then why do I care what they think about what I'm doing? Mm. Because you will never get anything but encouragement from people who are closer to where you're going and want to be. Those people are never saying, oh, this is ridiculous. You ever notice that? Right. Yeah. And I have to say that also with we received incredible amounts of encouragement and saying like what you guys are doing is awesome. We love it. And but at the same time, there's the people that they look at it and they say, oh, there's another two guys putting out a podcast. And there's so many there's so many of those already out there. Why would you do that when in the same time? But it's not the same. We're doing something different. It's in a niche. But yeah, I mean, looking at it from that perspective and a lot of times it comes from from judgment or even just being like, man, I wish that was my idea. But the only way to get past that, that someone else did it and it wasn't me, is ridiculing it or saying, hey, that'll never work. It'll never grow. You're doing this in vain. When in reality, we're looking at it as, as an opportunity for ourselves to grow and to learn from really great people, but at the same time to be able to put it on a platform for other people to learn as well. And if they listen, they listen. And if they don't, they don't. At least we got to grow and learn from it and meet some amazing people along the way. Absolutely. You know, when I first decided to make the jump into being an entrepreneur and I was at a, a very successful place in my career and there were folks who very successful as well, but I think a little more fearful about change and things like that, who basically told me in a, a loving way, I was crazy and that I would regret what I was doing. And I remember thinking, not being upset by what they said, but feeling that I owed them to be successful. Yeah. Because if I was and I didn't justify their fears, they might be willing to make a change for themselves 
no matter what that was, big or small and what area of their life, but I might make them think, oh, maybe that is possible. Mm. Yeah. And you have to remember that people are always watching. There's always eyes on whether it's, and even like, like you said, people that think you're going to fail and that kind of stokes the fire of the entrepreneur in you to succeed and to want to, to succeed and to want to continue forward and to want to do it even more so. And, and I think I keep coming back to this fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of falling flat on your face and embarrassing yourself. But again, if you live with that mentality, you'll never go anywhere. You'll never end up with the places or the goals that you have because in the back of everyone's mind you have goals you have things that you want to be the person you want to be the the job you want and those are all great things to have but if you don't do anything about it if you don't take the step forward that that you can take to get there you're never going to you don't get anywhere by just standing still and so that i mean that's how i would encourage anybody is that I know you have goals. I want you to run towards them. And if you fall on your face, so what? Get back up and keep running. And you might have to run in a different direction, but keep moving forward. Absolutely. You know, whenever I'm in a place where I'm worried or fearful or or experiencing fear, because we all do, right? We may do it anyway, but we all experience it. And you may think it's funny because you know that I admire you and, and, and Cooper as well so much in what you do and your thought processes for where you are in your age. And I admire far younger people than the two of you because I think of babies and toddlers when I'm in a really fearful place. And I think of them walking. And I think most adults, if they had to learn to walk as an adult, they couldn't do it. They'd quit. (laughs) They'd complain the entire time. They'd say, walking isn't worth it. It's not that big of a deal. But then you see a baby and what are they doing? They're doing exactly what you're talking about. They are literally falling on their face. They are hurting themselves. They are not being great at it in the very beginning, but the absolute joy on their face of the experience of learning it. And then finally, you know, toddling across the room and grabbing someone's hand they love or a cookie or whatever it is they're going to get. Mm -hmm. That's what I strive for every day. Any honest person that, I mean, if there's parents listening to this podcast, I'm not one, but I've had parents and I've seen kids fall on their face. But what do you do every time they fall? You, they encourage you. They say, well, get up, try again, keep going. Because you never want a baby to sit there and cry it out. And if a baby falls in your face, you're like, well, just cry it out and then we'll try later. No, you get them right back up and you get them walking again. And, and I think so many people forget that. And that, that childlike analogy in our businesses and in our personal life is when you fall, we so we so often often just sit in our self-pity and we're like, oh, poor me, rather than getting up and saying, hey, I can learn from that. Because babies, I think, are a lot more intuitive than we think. They do have an innate fear of falling. But when they do, or if they, if they touch something that's hot, or if they reach the stairs and they, they fall down the stairs a little bit, they, they, they walk up again saying, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> they right. pivot, they find a new direction, and they keep walking forward. And as, as people around them, we can look at that and say, why would we encourage a baby to get up and keep moving forward and not do that ourselves in our personal life? It's not like we graduate from that mentality at, at any point. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you see, Zach, for the future? What do you think if you were to say what's going to happen with business after COVID and just after all the learning that we've done and you've seen businesses that have really used this as an opportunity to become better and become more, what do you see happening in the next couple of years? 
Goodness, that's a really good question. And I'm not a fortune teller, uh, I'll tell you that. But I think we're going to see a really big boom in in business and a lot of people that are getting out and trying new things. I think in the next few years, you're going to see kind of the rise of the entrepreneur because a lot of people sadly lost their jobs during this pandemic and were forced to sit at home for however many weeks and months and really really truly deal with who they are at their core and really have to sit in isolation. And we've talked about, I just got over COVID. I'm back at work for the first time today after being isolated. And the worst part about it, besides losing my sense of smell was (laughs) that I had to sit. I mean, we were isolated and we were alone and we were away from the people that we love so much. And and it's hard. And you have to really think about who am I and really deal with that reality. But I think a lot of people sat at home and created new businesses and, and got new ideas. And it's like, if a job is not going to fall in my lap within the next few months, why don't I make my own way? Why don't I start a business? I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to start this podcast. I've always wanted to write this book. I've always wanted to start this business. Why not do it now? So I think, and I hope that a lot of people have done that and have started doing that during this pandemic. And hopefully in the next few years, we're going to be able to see the repercussions of that. We're going to see some thriving businesses within the next 12 to 24 months because people stepped out on faith now and it'll be growing then. Hopefully the economy will come back and jobs will start opening and and we have pent up demand. I think people are really over being locked up. And I mean, a lot of states aren't. And obviously I'm in Texas We're we're going around doing things. We're being safe, wearing a mask and everything. But we saw right after that period of isolation and lockdowns, and uh, there was a lot of pent up demand. People are ready to get back. People are ready to watch sports and go to sports games. People are ready to go back to the movie theaters. I think a lot of things will look different for a while, but people crave, and that's what I learned more than anything. I crave other people and, and being with people and community and, and doing something together, like going to a sporting event. And I think even if you're the the most introverted person ever, you would say that, Hey, I love being with people, even if it's in small settings and it's not how I recharge and I need my alone time. I love being with people. And I think there's a lot of pent up demand of, of wanting to go do things and be at places and do things like we used to, and, and it being normal and everyone feeling safe and having fun and laughing. I think there's a lot of laughter. I'm I kind of left the business realm there for a second, but I hope and pray that there's a lot of laughter in the next few months when we come out of this. I love it. Well, and it was just, what do you see for the future? It doesn't have to be business because it's all the same. When people say business isn't personal, yes, it is. People are involved. Absolutely personal. Okay. So you have so much wisdom and I'm, I'm really fortunate to have had you on here. I really hope that today's leaders and, and people who can really benefit from seeing your worldview really take some notes and, and listen up to the things that you've said, because I've been very inspired by talking to you. I have one last question for you. I sure. ask it of everyone. You better not have prepped an answer just because I you listened. Okay, good. All right. So <laughs> you are on stage in front of one million Literally, I always say literally, it makes me laugh. One million CEOs and entrepreneurs, and you've got two minutes to give them your one best piece of advice. Go. Oh my goodness. What has my two minutes started? Am I, am I running behind? Okay. So gosh, I'm, first of all, I'm unqualified to be up here to speak in front of all of you people. But since I have the microphone, why not? Just like we talked about at the beginning of this April, find the person who you've never heard their voice and talk to them and, and relate with them. I think so many CEOs and so many presidents and so many, whatever you are, you get so high up in the company, you're not able to relate with the person that you once were. And there's people down there looking up at you saying, wow, 
that is what I want to be one day, but I never know how to get there if I can't talk to them or if I'm not able to access them. But I want to remind, if I'm speaking to all these CEOs, I want to remind you of what you once were. You were once a 21-year-old just looking up with wide eyes at the world with a lack of wisdom, but a lot of ambition. And so you have an opportunity now from the platform that on which you stand or which you sit to reach out and say, hey, I know where you've been. Come alongside me, walk with me through a day and, and, and see what it's like on the other side and see what it's like to be in this position. I want to invest in younger people. I want to, I want to reach out. I want to say, Hey, come and stand with me and know, because I know where you've at, where, where you've been. You've seen so many, even like, I heard someone give an example of Kenny Chesney. Everyone loved Kenny Chesney whenever he was singing about every things that people can relate to. But now that he has seven yachts and he's got his own private Island, no one can relate to him and no one can understand. But if you're able to reach out and relate to someone because you know where they're standing, because you've been in their shoes, it means a world of difference to that person. And you never know who you could be talking to. Oh, I love that. That's was it two so, minutes? Was that two minutes? No, was, I don't know. No, it was under two minutes and okay. it was brilliant and it was very real and relatable. And I'm telling you, Zach, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I'm glad I met you now because that means you're still going to take my calls when you're doing whatever amazing things you're going to do because you shine so bright and so many big things are going to happen. I'm excited to see what they are. Well, thank you. And no, I will always answer the calls. And uh, gosh, thanks. I love it being on this. And I love what you're doing. I love pouring into your business. Love the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much, April. Have a great one.